Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Extraordinary Souls podcast with me, Mark Haslam. Thank you so much for tuning in. Got a great chat coming up with an Irish artist by the name of Paul Quinn. He's a singer and he's such a, a gentle soul. Uh, wonderful, wonderful guy to chat to and, to and to listen to. I really hope you enjoy this one. Uh, we discuss sexuality, we discuss God, we discuss consumerism, we, di- we discuss lots. It's a, it's a good one, it's a good one. If you do like it, please subscribe and share it around. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram and all that sort of stuff. It's much, much appreciated. Thank you, much love to all. I'll let the podcast kick off there now. Hello and welcome to Extraordinary Souls podcast. I have with me Paul Quinn. I'm with Paul in his own house. This is a first for me. I've never done a podcast outside of my own little comfort zone, I guess. But uh, Paul generously welcomed me into his into his home. Thanks for having me, Paul. Thank you, Merrick. Thanks for having me as well. And welcome to the podcast. Here we Thank are. Um, yeah, I, we we said we'd talk about sexuality, what that means and whatnot. Um, I'll I'll let you know. So a while ago, I don't know you've probably heard about this. There was a swimmer, male swimmer, mm. who then decided to change to female. Okay. Yeah, I don't know the name. No, mm. neither do I. I probably should, mm. but I don't. And um, then there was controversy in the swimming sport because it was professional, um, because. All the medals were being won. Yeah. And it was like, what? She can't do that. This is mm. unfair. And I myself was guilty of, of, uh, of, I, I actually thought, mm. I was like, that's, yeah, that is unfair. You yeah. can't just do that. I mean, that's obviously you have, you have a, you have an advantage with the, the male body against mm. female. That's, that's unfair. I can't believe that person did that as if they decided to change. Their, their whole gender just to win a medal I don't think so like mm-hmm. I mean I was listening to a podcast with somebody else who spoke about it about that they wanted to change they'd done it by the rules um, and I just it got me thinking out of my own head of like the whole sexuality thing like I was born a man mm-hmm. straight man boring away you go whatever mm-hmm. um, but if you're born a man in a man's body should I say and you feel like a woman like that you should be in a female body Mm. it's such a I I can't I I couldn't I've never imagined it properly till that moment and I was like wow that is what's interesting about it as well is that in when I was growing up um, a lot of people that changed gender or transitioned as we now call it Mm. they did it very late in life after you there were men like in their 60s and 70s realizing that they'd been living according to them and according to their their feelings um, that they'd been living in the wrong body you know for all their lives and they did it in their 60s and their 70s whereas now the whole conversation is about well how come 14 year olds are transitioning it seems we've gone from one mm. extreme to another back then it was uh men reaching 60 and deciding something's been wrong all this time or maybe knowing all that time and then only then having the courage and maybe the finances or whatever to do something about it and whereas now it's uh, people are transitioning younger and younger and younger it's quite a curious 
um, contradiction, not a contradiction, but a curious development, you could say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, like... I think it's, it is happening more, or at least there's more yeah. media focus on it because it's still regarded, I think, media-wise as quite a titillating subject. Mm. So th- anything to do with um, transitioning going from, particularly from male to female, I think seems to be something that the media like to like to like to talk about or sometimes portray in a particular kind of way. Yeah. So it's still a little bit salacious. There's a little bit of salaciousness as far as media is concerned about people transitioning. And I think it's more so men becoming women because we're again we're back to this thing about you call yourself a boring heterosexual male, but you know, the definition of being a man is still at the centre of our culture, whereas maybe women aren't held so up to so much, so much scrutiny in terms of their expression. Um, mm. Whereas men had transitioned to women, it seems to be still a big talking point in the media, which after all this time is amazing, but that yeah. is the way it is. you know. Yeah, and and you're right there with the media's effect on it, because mm. I mean, whatever you hear is going to be filtered through yeah. probably some clickbait, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, quick flash. Yeah. Try and be as yeah. controversial and as... Bla- and, and almost mocking but not yeah. mocking do, yeah. do, do you know what I'm saying and it's still a very polarised and polari- polarising conversation about um, people that believe kids at 14 and 15 or even younger should be going into therapy if they've, they're feeling that they want to um, transition should be getting drugs um, hormones from the age of like 11, 12 and there's a whole bunch of people that very much support that and a whole bunch of pe- people that don't so when you talk about that topic on social media it's completely divisive you know it's, mm. it's it's a war zone between people who favor it and people who don't so the the people involved are cut, still caught in the middle of this war yay or nay you know which doesn't help at all i don't think no yeah, yeah. and it is polarizing isn't it very polarizing conversation mm. yeah and is it even a conversation people don't seem to listen to each other no as much it's more of a this yeah. is my viewpoint yeah. I'm going to shout it yeah. out as much as I can. And I will defend that point in order to be right and yes. to be, or to be seen as being right and so forth. Yeah. So it is yeah. a very, very divisive conversation mm. and not one I jump into myself a lot. I think everybody should just do what they want to do, but I don't say I'm supportive of this or I'm non-supportive of that. I think everybody just has to follow their own path. Yeah. That might sound a little bit selfish, but that's how I see life. Yeah, you know? no, I, I wouldn't say it's selfish. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah, you're, you're definitely right. Mm. Um, Don't get in the big debate. There's, mm. there's better things to focus on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah. waste waste your energy with it. You I, can. I guess just hearing about that swimmer, I. Oh yeah. I, I, I kind of. I'd never really properly put myself in in the, in that shoes to kind of go. What yeah. would what would that feel like, and yeah. how, how yeah. hard it is. Yeah. For 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 that person to 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 yeah. have the courage and to, yeah. and to speak out and as you say, a few years ago people may have done it in their in their sixties or their seventies. Mm. But I suppose we can still have that conversation about could there be people motivated to change gender in in order to win at sport? We know that people have been dope tested and proved positive in sport for years and years and years, and all sorts of things have gone on in order to win competitions or contests and so forth. So. There is the possibility. I think the conversation can be had that could somebody do something like that in order to win a race or win a match or have a bigger career? I don't know. I would hope not. 
You'd but if they are, they've got nothing big to into your sport, wouldn't you? <laughs> You'd have to be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but don't forget there's a lot of money involved and there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. But I can't imagine somebody doing it. But if somebody did do that and went through the process of transitioning in order to win... At, in sport you'd have to say well then their their motivation is completely separate to most people within mm. the trans community that would be a different kind of person completely yeah 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 it opens up yeah. everything doesn't it it's like where it does. where where yeah. does that stop how do you prove you know it's a, yeah i don't think we're gonna come yeah, to the answer we, here no, now we won't we won't we won't get to the bottom of that tonight no we? no yeah no. yeah yeah um so yourself how mm. has your own sexuality affected your own life and your own experiences it's not that it's affected my own life. It's a it's a huge part of my life. I was thinking about this today on the bus coming home, knowing that we were going to be talking about it. I was mm. thinking, what is sexuality and how does it inform an individual? And I think it does more than inform an individual. I think your sexuality is the core of your being in many ways. It's your love nature. It's your aesthetic view of the world. It's your erotic experience. There's so many things... Um, tied up in our sexuality mm. that inform the people we are it's your creative um, uh, aspect in your life our sexuality it's like a motor that drives us and drives our energy how many times a day do we think about sex I know in my case I think about it a lot mm. and not just the act of sex but the whole all the nuances of sex and intimacy mm. and the the being with somebody in that way and it's at the very core of our beings and as soon as we try to deny it or other people try to deny it for us or as soon as we try to crush it or suppress it bad things happen mm. we see that in um, just to, as a very kind of crude example to take the church um, men that had to suppress their sexuality in the church ended up with very confused sexualities that sometimes came out in in very negative expressions towards others and mm. uh, such as minors and so forth. So not to um, attack the church, but when sexuality isn't allowed free reign and when it isn't allowed to develop and express and to be itself and when it's thwarted by the outside world, it very much damages a person, I think. Mm. So our sexuality is more than just something that informs us. It's I think it's at the core of us. Yeah. I um, really do think that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with you there. Mm. And like, like I was about to say that we, I didn't pick being straight man. You of course know, you did. No. Yeah, well, maybe I did before. <laughs> maybe I did, maybe yeah. I did before. There was that whole prayer before birth. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I, mm. I, I chose it. I, I don't know. I, I, if I did, I can't remember. Mm. But um, so uh, kind of just by your own nature, your whatever way that you are, and then society, yeah, it may not, yeah, as you said, the church was, which was um which was a, a big dominant hold, hold over Ireland and a lot of Europe. I was only thinking this recently that like we kind of in Ireland, we go, mm. oh, the church and Ireland mm. and the mm. past and the mm. history and all yeah. the, the atrocities. atrocities. Somehow when we talk about sexuality, it always comes back to the church and I don't want to make it about the church yeah, or I yeah. don't want to make excuses for people becoming their sexuality becoming perverted because mm. they're in the church or something like that, you know, but I do think that when you've grown up to believe that your body is somehow dirty or nasty or when you've grown up to believe or you've been taught that your sexual feelings are wrong and um, even, you know, all sorts of aspects to that. Well, then that's going to have an effect on you throughout your life. 
and I think that's why um, uh, things like pornography are still a powerful release for people because we can't talk about these things. We can't, um, because we can't talk about sexuality, we can't talk about intimacy. And so people find release, sometimes not even through their sexual partners. It's so deeply ingrained to not give in and allow yourself mm. pleasure. We do it often on our own with things like pornography. And so um, I think for this world to develop, we have to reach a point where we can talk and we can express our sexuality and we can be comfortable with it and I don't think we're quite at that point yet no we're making a lot of noise about it but people still have these private um, thoughts and private sexual fantasies that will never be heard mm. and I think that's very very sad yeah because as you say it's, it's, it's part of who you are it is part of who we are even if we've been told it's wrong you know mm. to me any sexual act between consenting adults is uh is something beautiful if the, if both adults are capable of giving their consent yeah yeah and uh and then that's fine as long as there is that there, there's no boundary to that that's fine but uh and yet still we have people still very much afraid of how of their sexual feelings and that informs everything in their lives so that's very very sad i think yeah because you're going to repress repress exactly and once you repress things um you're, you're not a whole human being and that, that's what's quite terrifying yeah. Anything that you repress, it's going to come out elsewhere, isn't it? So, mm. or you're gonna you're gonna feel that there's something wrong with yeah. you, yeah, because of the eyes of society. Yeah. When, when in actual fact, there's not one thing at yeah. all wrong with you. Yeah. Like um, forming a relationship with another human being and having grown up to think of sex as something that's kind of a little bit dirty or taboo or whatever it, people it takes a fair bit of navigation to ha to have true intimacy with a partner a lot of people perhaps never achieve it you know which is why uh, casual sex is still such a release and considered to be so much fun by for so many people because i think we all struggle with intimacy and that's all coming from a place where sexuality was viewed as something that had to be private and was dirty and disgusting and so forth so we are still battling. There's still de we're still dealing with the fallout of what we were taught in school, grown up. Um, sex we don't talk about, you know. So, uh, mm. so yeah. Do you think that came from certain people aren't comfortable with it? So it's like don't speak about it in case somebody's not comfortable with it, and you're therefore mm. um, making them feel uneasy within themselves, even though that's an undealt issue that they have. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? I do. I, I would agree with that. We haven't grown up in a permissive society here. And, and um, for that reason, we all still feel a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit ashamed when, ashamed when talking about sexuality, I think. It's not really pub conversation. You know, people don't, people still find it hard to talk about. Or maybe I'm just thinking about me and my friends and the people that I talk to, but there's still a sort of a, a wall around us in terms of yeah, agree, saying yeah. what we really think. And, oh, yeah. you know, you say something, people go, oh, you dirty bugger. Oh, you shouldn't say that. Oh, da, da, da. Yeah, you know, yeah. we still slag each other for having sexual feelings. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with having sexual feelings. No. Yeah. What could be more natural as long as they're directed at in an appropriate way? You know, of course. I think, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess yeah, people will. Oh yeah, you dirty bugger, and and, yeah, and it, yeah. there's a it's a laugh almost to uh, 
it's easier to laugh at it than to yeah, actually because delve we're in. all feeling the exact same way mm-hmm. we don't want to admit it so we've all made a pact let's not pretend we've any real sexual feelings yes know? i'll and pretend then, i don't if you pretend you don't yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. which in this unsaid agreement exactly yeah yeah that's it that's kind of a very simplistic view of it but that's kind of i think that's where we are with sexuality in 2022 we're still we're much better at uh, titillation is allowed and women on stage, female pop stars dressed in lingerie and, and with Kim Kardashian, you know, turning up at the Met Ball wearing almost next to nothing. But mm. but it's still that's kind of titillation rather than whole holistic acceptance of yeah. our bodies and our minds and the roles that they play in our sexual desire. Yeah. That's only fantasy. And that doesn't really help anybody. Yeah. It's the kind of glittery kind yeah, of it's the, element. It's, yeah. It's the kind of... Um, how would I describe it? It's the kind of titillating side of sex, which is mm. fine. There's, of course, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. that's um, very, I'm sure that's very arousing to some people, but it doesn't dig down deep into the core of who we really are sexually and what we need. And probably until we do find expression for that, we won't be able to fully advance as whole human beings, I think. Do you reckon mm, that if, 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 if we can't express yeah. ourselves sexually yeah. comfortably... Yeah. It's a tough one. I mean, you're not going to go into work tomorrow with your sort of, you know, in your boxer shorts and expect nobody to uh, to notice or you're not going to make a sexual remark about somebody passing. So there are all of these parameters in which mm. we have to operate and we can't just walk out naked and into the public, into pub- a public space. But um, in terms of our truth, I think what I'm really trying to get at here is our one to one expression, even in our closest relationships and how that suffers simply because a lot of a lot of us still aren't completely comfortable with intimacy and completely comfortable in our own minds and bodies in terms of how we relate to another person sexually and to ourselves so um do you think that's because of society the way it is at the moment i think so maybe it's the way we're hardwired maybe that's something in our brain so that we're not just always you know we're not having sex 24 hours a day yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. that is it because uh, it's a very powerful desire the kundalini yeah uh, that runs through our bodies that's a com- coming all the way up from your spine that sexual desire is that mm. the is that the core i think of everything so we do have to keep it under control in order to live our lives and get to work and feed ourselves and look after our children and do all the other things Mm. we have to do but um i I do think until we get comfortable with pure intimacy um we suffer uh we suffer as a result of that Mm. if you ask me (laughs) well i did (laughs) i did did, yeah (laughs) Yeah, i i reckon you're right there i reckon Mm. you're right Can you see it, like in your lifetime? Do you reckon that? I know it's harder when you're a kid because you know your 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 sexual um, Mm. side or your sexual Mm. sexuality, I guess, hasn't Mm. hasn't developed as much. But you reckon since you were younger to now that society is a lot more open in the past, whatever thirty years or Um, whatnot. I never. In the home that I grew up in, sex wasn't such a taboo. My parents weren't prudish, and that was the. They weren't. They British. weren't. No, they weren't right. I, you know, I do remember the, an occasion or two where the remote control would be picked up and the channel would be changed if mm. there was a sex scene or the newspaper would appear in front of the face. But considering I was growing up in the seventies and the eighties, my parents had a fairly laissez-faire outlook on it. Mm. So I, I benefited from that. I never grew up thinking of sex as dirty or filthy or anything like that. Whereas I know other people that in my contemporaries might have had parents that were far more strict. So. Even if the outside, I personally, I never had any trouble with 
my sexuality or my sexual expression. I never felt it was wrong, despite the fact that many people told me it was on a daily basis, and despite the fact that the law was against my um, my expression of sexuality at that time. I never felt, at the core of my being, that I was doing anything wrong. Um, I always felt, okay, I'm going to get judged for this, but I'm going to do it anyway. So personally, I didn't struggle in that sense with it. When you say the law was against... Well, the decriminalisation of um, homosexuality in the early 90s, like when I first started going to bars, I would have been... Well, bars would have been raided and so forth, so we were not supposed to be having men, and men were not supposed to be having sex with men, so it still was, and the act was considered to be illegal on the statute books. Until what year was Until that? 93. Wow. Yeah, so... Um, I f- totally forgot about that. Yeah. I totally forgot. So 1993. Yeah, I, did, I, I did. didn't. No, yeah, yeah. Well, it didn't affect my... I like, in 1993, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was... What yeah. age was I? I was, um, I don't know, 14 or 15 or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I do remember it now that you said, I remember going, that's mental. Yeah. Yeah. And it is mental, isn't yeah. it? Well, to think it was illegal, I never, I don't think, it, I don't think the law was enacted very, very strongly, but. Um, no, but the fact that it was there. Yeah, I never remember someone saying to me, oh, what you're doing is illegal. It was more just what you're doing is sick and perverted. That's what people would tell you. But I never remember being hit with the lie, oh, you're you're illegal, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but effectively, and I've written little pieces about this, that we, me and my friends were illegal aliens in a sense, because what we were doing and the gatherings that we were having, technically speaking, were, were illegal. illegal. Yeah. Because of our uh, desire for one another, and so it was illegal. But that's another side to how society molds and shapes sexuality as well. You see, there's there's many different ways that society molds us into becoming the people that we become or the people they want us to become. You know, mm. yeah. but like it wouldn't, it would, it it didn't work. It would never work. How can you make yeah. it illegal to? <laughs> well, all it did it was push it underground, and so people were having sex in public lavatories and so forth. So, yeah. when you criminalise something, it's going to find another way to express itself in the underground, shall we mm. say, not literally speaking. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same so, with drugs and whatnot. Yeah. It's gonna, so, yeah. once you prohibit people from doing something, and if it's something that's hardwired into them as a need or whatever, well, then they're going to find alternate ways to do it. And sometimes those alternate ways put people at terrible risk. Mm. Um, when they're when they're having to do things in public places or whatever, of course, um, yeah. because they can't, you know, bring people home or because they can't, you know. So yeah, there's there's, a, there's a, another conversation there as well. You see, mm. <clears throat> that's very interesting. I can't believe that number one that I forgot about that, and number two that it, it was actually a fact that it was illegal. I know it was yeah. frowned upon by the church in I Ireland. Don't worry, I'd forgotten about it until I mentioned it myself. Oh, really? so it yeah, seems like yeah. so long ago. Like well, it was, I guess. But it was, like, yeah. I mean, we've we've all come on such a journey since then, all of us, mm. whatever our sexuality. But when you look back, yeah, that legal, legally speaking, it would have been well, yeah. you know, if you got into trouble or if you were assaulted by a sexual partner, the first thing you would have to answer is what on earth you were doing having an intimate um, relate, an intimate encounter with that person. And secondly, there was the danger then that that would, that would go back to your workplace or your family or whatever. So yes, that would have created a, a massive amount of fear in people being caught because of the law. But um, it certainly didn't stop people. It didn't stop the grassroots from growing as well, which is which is uh, positive. That's why we are where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in terms yeah. of advancement. You know? Yeah. Um, did you ever feel 
like because not only it was illegal as we said it was like frowned upon and whatnot did you ever feel that there was something wrong with you that maybe um, just maybe society was right and maybe the law was was right and you were the problem yeah like i i there was many many times that i felt there was something wrong with me not just in terms of my sexuality but in terms of me i, I felt that must have been very very flawed to have as much abuse or as much criticism or um uh, ridicule heaped upon me as I did as I did have over so many years starting long before I even understood my sexuality mm. but um, then somewhere else at the core of my being I kind of I was able to transcend that and this again comes back to what we were talking or what we will be talking about perhaps is that sometimes we can transcend even our, our worst experiences just by having some kind of deep faith in ourselves and I've always had that deep faith even though um, I, I would have moments of terrible crushing self-doubt. There's a, a core in me of self-belief that I can always return to again and again and again. And I'm very, very lucky because I know other people who maybe don't have such a strong core. Mm. So no matter what people told me about being wrong or being, being, um, uh, you know, being a bad person for feeling that as I did or uh, being having the sexuality that I have, mm. um, it never really decimated me in the way that. It, it did other people that I that I saw or other people that I've known were quite decimated by that and really it, did you did you see people maybe turn to drink drugs yeah and I, I've lost two friends through um, drugs both actually were drug overdoses and possibly even three and I don't know if that's all to do with being yes. ostracized or, or being um, put outside or whatever but I do think that has a part to play in it yeah there is a very very in a lot of gay men there's a, I have a book about it there the velvet rage I think it's called there's a lot of um, rage and anger and anger directed at the self in gay men in particular because of how society has deemed us over the years mm. and that's hidden under humor and knowing humor and so many other sort of defenses that we have but that um, that self-loathing is there in a lot of gay men um, I think I'm sure I have some of it in me but not, not to the extent of some other people I've known over the years who've allowed that to, perhaps to consume them but you never know you see I'm, I'm on the outside looking and you never of really course, know, I know. Yeah, what's yeah. informing a person's view of themselves mm. is it what others have told them or is it something that's far deeper I yeah, don't know yeah they may have had whatever in their childhood yeah, yeah exactly but I, traumas, I do, yeah. Mm, but I do think it's fair to say that how society treats us is um, in our formative years in particular is very very is tantamount to how we will develop ourselves and if you're told every day that you're wrong mm. for speaking a certain way or walking a certain way or perhaps uh, having some kind of blossoming sexuality that's considered not to be the norm well then that that is going to affect you yeah well it's yeah. even it's even thinking a certain way mm. do you know mm. i mean mm. so like you're thinking your own thoughts sexual thoughts yeah about other men and then you yeah. are inside your head saying these thoughts yeah. are like that's really getting into into See, I never you. Had that, that, that's the strange thing. You, as a as a straight man, you might think, yeah, you know, if you had those thoughts, that's maybe how you would feel. You'd correct yourself. Me, oh, oh no, that's not me. Well, but, well, not to correct yourself, uh, but to 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 be aware that yeah, what I am thinking, yeah. society. Yeah. Um, that's right deems as incorrect yeah. or not well, appropriate or whatever I don't know what it is in me but uh, I, I was back in my hometown of Bray for a funeral on Monday and was talking to quite a few classmates and it occurred to me several male names were mentioned 
not only uh, fellow students but teachers I remember saying oh god I had such a crush on him and oh god I had such a crush on him and they were going I know he was gorgeous hang on a minute you had a crush on everybody so I did like I, I from a very very young age I was able to look at men aesthetically and say oh he's very attractive mm. he's tall or he's this or he's that and it never bothered me at all I, I savoured that attraction that I had yeah, to yeah. other men I never felt wrong or bad about it That that's the strange thing about this um, and even to this day I can look at a man and if I, even though I know he's heterosexual I don't feel bad about thinking wow he's attractive <laughs> yes but, but even way way back then I never I never struggled with that part of my sexuality um, because to me it's the most natural thing in the world I'm very aware of the Greeks men for sex men for pleasure and women for children and um, that has been part of our society in the, in the past even though we've forgotten about that um, the relationship between men, the bonding between men, the, the sexual chemistry between men has always been there. And maybe we've denied it over the years, but and maybe that's what I tap into. But um, I never struggled with my attraction to other men. I have to say that. Mm. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as you say, m- m- people people may have, or as you say, it's, it's society as well has a. As it may have had a knock-on effect in in many other ways, not just mm. about our sexuality. I'm talking about your friends who have um, mm. went went towards towards the dark side of it. Mm. Um, yeah, it plays yeah. out in different ways. Uh, I can I, I studied drama for three years, and I remember we were asked to do a few sort of trust games, and one of them was where we all had to sort of do a sort of rowing thing, and I, I was surrounded by straight men. And I, I I was very aware. People would say, "Let me just grab my shoulders. Don't be so," you know. But I am very, very careful about touching other men in any way because I'm aware that you could get into, you know, I'm sure maybe it goes all the way back to school. People would have said, oh, look at you. Why are you, why are you trying to hold his hand or why are you putting your arm around him? He shouldn't do that. So that side of me in terms of showing my tactile uh, expression with men in public mm. is is quite cautious. But my private sexual desire, I've always been very, very comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, but but yes, but I'm I'm inhibited with, around men that particularly if I know they're straight about showing any type of physical affection because I always think they're going to go oh god he fancies me so that that will be one of the fallouts of that mm. you know um, I, I wouldn't like to make a guy feel uncomfortable or something like that, that yeah. sounds awful doesn't it? sound like a 1950s homosexual now <laughs> I don't want to make him feel uncomfortable whatever I do you know probably hit me no but yeah I, I'm very very careful even putting my arm around a guy a friend like a, a straight friend I'm all, I always think oh uh, better not do that you know so yeah. you do check yourself you see yeah, That's where, where where they may not be thinking any of these things, and it may just come from it's conditioning. Con- yeah, conditioning. Yeah. And whereas if you were in the in the pub, I guess with one of your buddies, you wouldn't think twice about putting your arm around each other. No, because you yeah. haven't had that. Condition. It's just a way of showing uh, uh, affection. affection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like platonic affection. But mm. I, I still find myself checking myself. I try to, you know, do that. Yeah. If I went to do that, so I'm, yeah, I'm very, very cautious about it. So that that would be a side of me that's probably has been quite uh, influenced by what the what the society said at the time. Yes, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, why do you think homophobia exists? Why do you think people are afraid, like phobia, like it's literally um, fear, isn't it? Well, I kn- the only thing I can tell you is that in 1983 or 85, a man was murdered in Fairview Park, Declan. And uh, the guys that murdered murdered that guy, I wasn't at, in the court on the day, but the, the subject of, of gay panic was mentioned. And the judge, as a mitigating thing, mentioned that uh, 
these guys panicked because they this gay man they felt was coming on to them or he was cruising them or whatever. And so the five or six or seven of them decided to beat him to death because he panicked them. So he was more or less saying, you know, that, that um, homophobia can come out of a sense of panic if a man feels that another man is giving him, a straight man feels that a gay man is trying to... Um, what would you call it uh, is being predatory towards him in some mm. way then he might lash out physically and that, that would be according to this George and other people at the time that would be a normal reaction so that's uh, homophobia it, at the time I think it was put down to men being very self-protective of their bodies and not letting other men come in and invade their space in any type of way what we do know now I think is that uh, uh, homophobia I think it's two things often it's uh, repressed Desire. That's uh, so. Somebody sees something they like, but they react violently to their own desire for somebody or something, and they take that out on the person that maybe that they find attractive, another man. And uh, the other thing then with homophobia is that maybe it's conditioned. You know, boys are raised by their fathers, perhaps, to think, well, if you don't, uh, if you don't slag gay men, or if you don't attack them or whatever you might be seen as being one you know so I do think that there's two there's all different types of homophobia from lads mm-hmm. uh, sort of uh, encouraging one another to say horrible things maybe to somebody in the street to men going out looking for victims to assault and homophobia goes all the way from zero to a hundred um, bringing it all the way up to those murders we saw in Sligo that's right where somebody had planned and premeditated and you have to say was that because of his religion or was it because of some deep-seated sexual desire in himself that he was running from, you know? So we don't know. Mm. But I do think a lot of homophobia comes from a place of um, desire that's been, uh, how would I describe it? A person that's so horrified by their own desire that the only way that they can counterbalance that is to lash out at somebody else. So if somebody sees me in my prime, um, I was often mistaken for a woman. And then when somebody would talk to me and say, oh, you're, you're a guy, <gasps> that's disgusting. And then you, you would know there could be a tirade of abuse after that when, when they found out or whatever, you know. So there so there, there's, there's different types of homophobia. I'm not describing it very well, but I do. <laughs> it's hard to really say what it is. Um, it's society made, though, I think, because... Any man who feels rage towards somebody else because of their sexuality has got a serious problem. Mm. You know, every person's sexuality is private. And if somebody looks at me and thinks that dirty, filthy queer, you know, I need to kick his kick his teeth in. I mean, uh, well, then he's got a very, very serious problem. And I would say that problem has probably got something to do with his own desire that has somehow been thwarted. So if that if I could kind of describe it that way. It, homophobia could be anything from ignorance all the way through to latent uh, homosexual desire that is being covered up through sort of boisterous and and violent manly behaviour. Yeah, know? yeah, so yeah. It could be any of those things. Mm. It's very hard yeah, to say exactly yeah, what it is. Yeah, you're right there. And like, what do you think it is? Do you? I was thinking about this today. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly fear. Oh yeah. As in fear of the unknown if you don't know anybody who's gay mm. you don't know anything yeah. about it right. society has told you gay is wrong yeah oh you need to fear yeah, it yeah yeah, 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 yeah there's yeah, so yeah. bad you don't, people yes right, yeah. yeah you don't know you don't it's it's unknown mm. you don't know what to do mm. with that mm. so you fear it mm. you fear that that 
just the element of, of gayness. You, you, you've, you've, you know, you've never even looked at it. You yeah. properly, you've just looked at it as a fear. It's like a, a yeah. ghost or some yeah. shit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. then, when you are then encountered mm. with mm. a gay person, mm. like a ghost, your mm. fear mm. takes over. Yeah. You know, but I mean, when you, it's, but like that's not when you talk about those premeditated murders in oh, yeah. Sligo. That. I mean, is fear there or what? It could be be any any negative emotion. But one thing I would add to that is that you'll find that people that are even to this day homophobic or would identify themselves as homophobic are are often prejudiced about many things. You know, they they might they might be prejudiced against black people. They might be prejudiced against gays. Quite often, prejudice travels across so many boundaries so yes. anything that's different to me i hate to me i hate yeah and yeah. it's because i deep down i loathe myself and i'm trying to mm. keep i'm trying to contain that self-loathing by projecting it onto others onto others and that's probably you know the the, the psychology of how that's happening yeah they live their whole lives stuck in that in the fear of really looking inside and the fear mm. of really finding out how much they despise themselves themselves yeah yeah um, another element too is you said their own you know I mean you can have people who are bisexual oh yeah yeah who apparently may, so yeah. apparently so yeah. this is a thing that's apparently on the go thing, yeah, yeah yeah what's all that with? I don't know. Um, so if you're a man and you've grown up known that you are, are attracted to, to, to yeah. women that's gotta be hard and then yeah. you have mm. also attraction to men yeah but it, you know what I mean then yeah. as you said it's 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 yeah. there may be yeah. resentment because these people are allowed to express them, that mm. that part of themselves, mm. Mm. and I'm not because I'm uncomfortable with it. And I maybe yeah. even haven't even fully acknowledged that it's there or yeah. something. You know? Yeah, there would be. I suppose there's a lot of um, men who have bisexual feelings as well, and that's got to be pretty hard as well because quite often they'll be in a relationship with a female or married or mm. have children or whatever. And th- but then and and that is a, p- a side of themselves that they genuinely do enjoy. But then there's another side that doesn't have any expression, and uh, and that's got to be a, like a major struggle as well because mm. um, one part, one side of your sexuality is expressed and not the other. So again, we're back to being whole. You're not a whole person yeah. at that point. And and uh, and no matter what route they decide to take, yeah. No matter what partner, if they go male, mm. female. They're not quite. They're satisfied. not going to be. That's a strange one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It I is. Yeah, I didn't really, th- didn't really think about it that way before. But I suppose, yeah, they'll never be satisfied. You're right. Fully. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you get two partners, <laughs> <laughs> which is way too much um, time and expense. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, it's just hassle. Isn't it? <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. You'd <laughs> oh, be a bigamist. Yeah, yeah, just for your own uh, comfort. But like things have progressed. 2011. Mm. Um, gay marriage was voted in Ireland. Mm-hmm. How did you feel that day? Were you happy? Oh, I was overjoyed. I was tearful, and I wrote a little piece about it for the Slugger O'Toole uh, website, and uh, I wrote an article about it. And um, I think I kind of threw all my feelings into that that day. However, I was also aware of the fact that there was another side to this debate, um, and some some gay men didn't feel that we needed marriage because they thought well then is that you know we need to be able to marry in order to be equal we don't we're all, we're already equal and, and so th- there is a there, there's, there is a whole discussion around marriage equality personally i was in favor of it i want all people to be equal at all times mm. um legally in terms of being able to have a day out if that's what they want to do i think um 
Of course, got, the option should yeah, be there. Yeah, I've got a very work. simplistic view of it, and I love the fact that my two best friends are married, and I love the fact that each of them are able to refer to their husband, whereas 10 years ago that never would have happened, you know. So to be able to hear a man talking about my husband said, or my husband uh, has been ill, or my husband is doing this or doing that, I think that's nice. Uh, yeah. To me, that's nice. To me, that sounds perfectly right. Yeah. I do understand some gay men think it's ridiculous that we're trying to ape you know, um, heterosexual people, and we're trying to normalise ourselves in order to fit in. Oh, gays can marry. Yeah, I, I never thought yeah. of that angle. Yeah, I don't look at it that way. Um, mm. But I do appreciate the fact that that is a potential point of view. Um, that maybe this was all about normalising being gay. But I think, I think you have to normalise the experience of being gay in order for other people to then allow us to be who we want to be mm. because if it's not normalized it's considered abnormal and then people have a problem and then homophobia self-perpetuates and all of that yeah you're back so to square one we yeah. do need a kind of normalcy around it even though we were never abnormal to begin with yes yeah. yes yeah the mm. system needs to be normal and then whatever you do with that is your own choice there are loads of yeah. straight men and women go together and they don't even bother getting married like yeah, yeah. but the options there why shouldn't it be there for well, that's everybody yeah, for, yeah, for everybody yeah. Yeah. yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, but it was a good day. It was a good day. It was for a good you. day. Yeah, it, um, it was a shame that one particular politician had to hijack that day. Somebody who had spoken against uh, gay rights only a few years before, and then wrapped themselves up in a in a pride flag for a, for a photo op. And oh. it was sad to see certain politicians jump on the bandwagon at the very last moment, once all the work had been done. But I try not to keep any bitterness in my heart. I, I do realize that. Uh, years and years of activism education advocacy brought us to where we are politicians will always want to steal the limelight to win votes of course. and yeah. that's just something that's just a fact of life just mm. like sometimes you know sometimes we uh you know we that's a fact of life basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. step in for the picture yeah. step in for the picture yeah this take, looks take, good. take the accolades take take the steal the thunder take the after everyone else's work yeah yeah, yeah, which to me that's pretty low down. That's as low as you can go as a person. But um, you know, if it makes them happy, well then so be it. Well, it may not make them happy. It may. That's what their ego tells them to do. Well, yeah, or they may be still chasing happiness and think mm. they may find it true. Mm. Everybody liking them and stepping into this picture and doing yeah, whatever. But that's true. That's after true. time. Yeah. Hopefully, they'll find out that that ain't the way. Yeah, if they haven't already. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and how do you see it, the future for gay, bi, uh, like, the, there's there's a non-binary thing that, oh, yeah. that I, I'm, I'm confused about that, like, I'm, I'm, mm. I apologise mm. if I offend anybody, but I, I'm actually, like, that I'm neither male or female. Yeah. Well, I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit confused about it myself because mm. I grew up in 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 an era where we didn't have those different categories or labels, so I don't mm. really know, and I don't know if I use the right language. I identify as male. I always have. I always will. I'm very comfortable in my male body. Sometimes I have a beard. Sometimes I don't. Mm. Sometimes I look effeminate. Sometimes I don't, and I'm comfortable enough with that. I wouldn't say I take huge pleasure looking at my, myself in the mirror every day, <laughs> especially not naked. But <laughs> but uh, I'm not, I I don't so I I don't really understand the different categories. So I would probably be almost as ignorant about it as you are because yeah. um, I, I'm a member of the LGBTI community, but I don't. I treat everybody the same. I don't. 
uh, I don't really care about how a person identif- identifies as long as they're a good, kind and decent person. And, and yeah. that's that's all that really matters to me. However, I'm aware of the fact that others do need to self-identify in a particular kind of way. And I totally support that. But I'm probably not the best person for describing how different people's journeys in that yes. sense. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. I'm. I'm very same. Like, and You're I'm, confused. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of confused. Yeah, yeah, and almost like me. I. I will say. I say, man, a mm. lot uh, to mm. address somebody. All right, man. Mm. How are you? Mm. All right. Mm. How are you getting on, mm. dude? Whatever. Mm. Someday. I know it's going to happen. I'm going to say to somebody, and they're going to go, "How dare you assume my gender?" You know what I mean? You didn't say it to me. You didn't call me a man. So, do you know something? I did before (laughs) this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't notice, and I even went, "God, I I hope I haven't offended him." But uh, yeah, no, um, no, I'm not. I'm not so hung up on the whole gender thing. Yeah, but I I guess maybe the point I'm trying to make is, if 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 I did offend somebody by mm. saying man or what mm. or whatnot mm. it's like did you just assume my gender yeah um is there an element maybe of looking out for being offended i mean it's it's new so people are, are going to have to adjust yeah. um how they yeah. how they how they yeah. you know and to, and to be careful mm. to to well, um i think any marginalized community always feels a little bit um what would you call it maybe defensive or whatever and rightly mm. so and, and misgendering somebody can lead to all sorts of embarrassment and all sorts of outrage and so you do have to be careful so i never make assumptions about um how a person sees their gender i just i try to look beyond that mm. um i've been misgendered many times often in paris, paris of all places in france i'm always referred to as madame when I order food, if I'm with my partner, whatever, it's always been Madame, Madame, Madame. And in Thailand, um, in one restaurant, one of the waitresses said to my partner, "What's she having?" He thought she, um, she thought he was going to order for me because I was just a submissive, right. which I thought was hilarious. Was what's she having? Yes, yeah, we've often joked about that. So yeah, yeah. Pointed at me and said, "What's she? What's she having? <laughs> you order for her <laughs> yeah, since yeah. you own her." No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So not, that's not to say that Thai people have that outlook, but I would just no, I assume that I was a lady boy, I suppose. No, I was a good bit younger. Yeah. So um, Were you ever offended by that? Were you ever going well, out Not here? at all. I think it's no. hilarious. I yeah. would never mind being misgendered. I have occasionally corrected somebody, in fact, quite recently in a pub in Baggett Street. Mm. Somebody said, I have a love to me or something. I said, love? And, uh, you know, I'm not anybody's love in that mm. sense. So, yeah, th- there are times when you might think the way somebody approaches it isn't very, very nice. But yeah. Um, I don't mind if people think I'm male, if they think I'm female. I know what I am, and that's really all that matters to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah exactly. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't have a big issue with it. But certainly, people that are intersex or people that are transitioning, I can totally understand why for them that might be extremely hurtful. Because they've done all this work. Them. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and they feel like people aren't listening, or people are deliberately mm. misgendering them, or whatever. And, After and all can, this time, I'm still misunderstood. Yeah, and so that that's going to hurt a lot. So I suppose we we have to be careful. In trying to in in respecting what how what other people are experiencing. Yeah, how, yeah, yeah. Careful yeah. and respect, respectful at I the just, same time. Just, I think res- being respectful is what it always comes down to. You know, mm. in the end, isn't it? Tr- trying to be respectful, but not walking on eggshells either. We have to be able to have conversations as yeah. well. So. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The walking on eggshells thing. Um, but I mean, you mm. you spoke earlier. You said that uh, when I asked you about, did you ever feel like there was something wrong with you? That you have had kind of a grounding in yourself that has always been there even from your youth um and that you still have now so not everyone has that no 
And no matter what yeah. their sexuality yeah. or no matter what their gender or whatever. Exactly. And yeah. so, so I have that core uh, strength in terms of the expression, of the private expression of my sexuality. And my performance and the way I sing and the way I write is quite sensual, I think, as well in many ways. However, I, I do have massive insecurity in my day to day life, just as you probably do as well. So mm-hmm. I can be, a, you know, a complete wreck in other in other regards. So and I don't know if that's to, to do with um childhood or if it's to do with my own genetic predisposition I'm a very very anxious person so whether that's to do with um growing up and and how my perce- how my sexuality was perceived or whether it's an innate characteristic in me I don't know I would tend to think it's more my dad was an extremely anxious individual too and mm. so I think it's probably something that has gone down the genetic line in that anxiety runs in my family and and I've had it all my life yeah so, or or maybe not even genetically whereas if you if you've grown up in a house where there is somebody anxious all the time yes it yeah, seems yeah. normal mm, to um, exactly yeah, yeah. To, to, to be that way yeah um, and it yeah. may have carried on in yourself mm, or maybe mm. it's just, as you said a result of society and conditioning and it's a little bit that. of everything i think mm, um, nobody gr- no. yeah none of us grew up in an ideal kind of situation there, there are always pressures coming to bear and there are always struggles and, and things that can be quite damaging to us but we talked about this i think before we started uh, taping the conversation is that um uh, you have to get beyond your thoughts don't you and you have to get beyond your thinking about things and just come back to pure experience because yeah. that's the only way to find any uh, real contentment yeah and any real pleasure in life is to to get beyond the thoughts because mm. the thoughts can only take you so far yeah and the rest is pure experience isn't it mm. so. yeah and like when you when you see a tree mm. sometimes if if you have time you will really see the tree, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And you'll see it, not, not, so sometimes you'll be in a rush or whatnot, yeah. and you'll see tree and just yeah, the yeah. mental image yeah. and the nearly the, the yeah. thought tree will yeah, come into your head, yeah, and yeah. that will be it. And it seems but if to, you connect, fully when you connect, yeah. Without thought, um, it seems to be when the, you don't connect to an object that you suffer in the sense that yeah. sometimes when I've been very calm or whatever, I've opened the press and I've thought, oh, look at all these jars that. I labelled or whatever and you stop for a minute and when you allow your concentration to come away from your thoughts and just really look at the objects around you and really take them in and really observe them and you po- you come out of your head for that minute you fi- you you experience contentment yes i mean joy is fleeting uh, sadness yeah. is fleeting the only one thing that's sustainable is contentment mm. and that's probably what we should all be trying the place we should all be getting to is contentment rather than joy and ecstasy which is very very short-lived yeah um, the, the bit in the middle, which is the contentment um, and just having just about enough, is uh, the plate the only place where we can find any real peace. I think. Do you think that contentment is the underlying feeling behind every moment, but we try and cover it up in search of joy and in search of? Um, I think it depends on who you ask. I mean, I'm, I'm an artist, and mm. I'm I'm driven by creative impulses, so. I've always run from the mundane and I realize now looking back and that running from the mundane is is another form of spacing out and not paying attention. And two years ago, I was just shortly after my 50th birthday, I was diagnosed with ADHD and um, by the one specialist in this country who can actually diagnose it and was a two hour interview. And it was only it was like peeling the layers from an onion because then I realized how I'd never been paying attention 
all through my life. If, if, if it was something mundane, I switched off. Right. And when you don't pay attention and when things are going on around you, that's very, very upsetting. And, you, you know, you're not part of it, but you're, you're in it. So paying attention and learning to pay attention to even things like your breath, which we were talking about, where your feet are. Mm-hmm. Uh, what another person how another person is sitting or moving is very very important that connects you back into the moment so maybe contentment is the underlying feeling in everything I don't know I think it's the only sustainable thing that we can have yeah is day to day contentment and it's gonna it's not gonna you're not gonna feel contented all the time but I suppose for large portions of your day you could feel contented and that would be the place um, to try to get to uh, contentment when it's just just enough mm. And what do they call it in Sweden? Lagom, I think. Well, they have a word for it anyway, which yeah. is when enough is just about enough and you're you're not looking for too much. You've just got enough. You've just got enough. The balance yeah. in the middle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The yin and the yang or whatever. Difficult to get to, but, uh, you know, because we tend to swing between joy and misery and that's mm. society encourages us with that. You know, if you're down, go and get a burger from McDonald's or go and do some retail therapy and then you'll be <clears> joyful. And if you're joyful, then you naturally are going to swing back towards misery. So a lot of advertising and stuff around us encourages us to feel miserable and then get the placebo, whatever it is, and uh, consume and consume and consume and spend money and put money into the economy and then come back down to where you were. Whereas contentment means you're not going to stuff your wardrobe full of clothes. You're not going to keep buying. You're not going to keep buying because you are contented. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to you and you're listening to me and we're not thinking, okay, yeah, but I'd really like to go and get a burger now. Or yes. Oh, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's been in the moment, isn't it? In the it? moment, yeah. 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 And, it's, and it, it is distracting. Yeah. The other day I was, um, I was, I was just found myself at the press about to open a packet of biscuits, <laughs> as we normally do. Uh-huh. And I stopped for a second. I just had a big dinner and I was like, I, yeah. um, is my body hungry? Mm. Or is, is this mind food, if you know what I'm saying? Exactly, am, am yeah. I looking to quieten the... You cut yourself in that moment. Yeah, and I don't always, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I love yeah, yeah. biscuits. And Especially <laughs> ginger biscuits. Yeah, you like a ginger biscuit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Love chocolate. Chocolate's a thing oh, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love chocolate. But um, yeah, it was mind. It was a mind. The mind was looking for something, mm. you know? Mm. And like you said, the consumeristic yeah. side of us that yeah. is being encouraged really yeah, by yeah. advertisements and Everything. whatnot and we're, generate We're bombarded money. with um, adverts about, uh, you know, this will make you feel good. This will make you pretty. This will make you acceptable. This will make you uh, rich. This will make you thin. And none of it works in the long no. term. They're all temporary fixes. But um, what do they say? The definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Different result yeah. And as consumers, we are completely mad because we're consuming, consuming, consuming. And yet we always come back to the same thing. Now I've got too much. Mm. And now I don't know what to do with it all. I have too many things, you know. Mm. And so, uh, so I'm not saying that I've found contentment, but... I could find a lot more contentment in just having a genuine and honest conversation sitting here with you than I would in a noisy pub, perhaps throwing alcohol down my neck, trying to get to the high yes. moment. But there's a place for that as well, you see. I mean, we're human beings. I think the, the thing is not to keep beating ourselves up and not to keep saying, oh, I didn't get, I wasn't contented today, so therefore, what's wrong with me? Because yes. we do beat ourselves up a lot, don't we? Of course, we? yeah. I mean, you have to try experiences. You've got to try and go to the pub and throw alcohol down your neck. Yeah, and, yeah. just don't <laughs> stay too late. That's the trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> know your limits. I've come to know my limits quite well. And Have you? With drink, uh, yeah? With anything, really. I, I kind of know, really, know yeah. when I'm full now. And uh, I suppose I kind of always did in a way, but now I try to stop eating 
once I'm full. Yeah. I try to stop drinking once I'm at a certain Married. point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't always succeed with that, but I am. I try to moderate it because I, I don't want to feel awful and horrible. Well, you're robbing from yourself, day. aren't you, from the next yeah. day? Yeah. You are, yeah. you are, you are. Yeah. I've, I have actually gotten a bit better at that recently. I used to drink a lot. Like, oh. I, I mean, at weekends, I would drink a lot, oh, yeah. a large amount. Typical Irish man. Yes. All yeah. Yeah. All yeah, yeah. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. Um, but now I'm kind of like, I'll, I'll try and dilute it down with a bit of water. Yeah. Try and mm. I, I, I actually don't even enjoy the feeling of being really, really drunk and being out no. of control. It's not a no, nice feeling. It's like. not a nice feeling. So no. why, why go there? You know, no, I'm sure I'll probably end up there again. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's mm. not something that I chase no. or, or whatnot. And Cause the, as you said, it's finding contentment yeah. and in this so- moment. That's that's also stepping into the whole arena of addiction, and addiction is another another one of the cancers really in our society. Mm. That's not talked about very often, but it's when we chase pleasure uh, to such a degree, when we chase the peak experiences to to that degree, often we will encounter addiction, and we will fall into different types of addiction, mm-hmm. addiction cross addiction, and so forth. And so, trying to pull back towards contentment is um, perhaps a way of safeguarding your mental health in a sense. Um, you're not reaching for the high all the time. Um, mm. You're you're trying to find the the what do they call it the middle path or the yes yeah that's it exactly isn't yeah. It? yeah because I mean the high is only going to last so long. What are you going to get yeah. out of yeah. whatever you're doing? A few hours and of then the choices you make in, in the high as well can be very very can can have long term consequences and repercussions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when you're when you're very very drunk or very very high that. The things you say, the messages you send, the choices you make, the uh, it all has an effect on other people it's as well. You effect, see. Yeah, yeah, so and that's what's happening every single day in our society. Mm. People are reaching too high in some cases and damaging others mm. while, they, while they do it. While and, they do it. Yeah, so it's a butterfly effect. It, you know, the wings flap and we all become inf- um, affected and contaminated by it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's very, very true. Mm. Um, you spoke earlier about music, singing. When did you start singing? Oh, I don't know what age I, I was, but I know I was probably very, very young when my grandmother used to have me up singing that song, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, Yes, yeah. which was big at that time, Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat. Yeah. And so I just always remember my grandmother, who herself was very musical and loved to sing, saying, Jesus, that child can sing. And that made me feel very special because uh, there was a few other members of the family who weren't such good singers. So yes. And so then I was always asked to do a party piece again and again and again. And then moving on a few years, my voice broke. And I remember my grandmother saying, oh, Paul, Paul's voice has changed. He's not as angelic as he used to be. So I thought, Jesus, I have to get back to angelic. So yes. whenever I'm singing these days, I always think of the way I used to sing that she enjoyed so much, which is kind of a little bit choir boy-esque. But uh, when you marry that to pop, the kind of pop music tunes that I sing, the um, the way I sing is, um, it's hard to describe. It's very unique to me, I'd say. But then yeah. again, every, every singer is unique. But yeah. Well, it's clean. You have a very clean, I've, I've heard you sing, and it's, mm. you have a very clean voice. Like It's, yeah. it's very yeah. pleasant and it cuts through. It's, it's, well, it's, I, try, I think I try to use my voice almost like a musical instrument. I don't play. Yes. But when I sing, I'm always going for the most precise notes that I can find. And sometimes as a result of that, I reach too too hard and too high, or you know, trying to go, out of your range or whatever. Uh, yeah. Not even out of my range, but just uh, <coughs> musicality in my singing is very very important to me because I don't play piano or mm. guitar. I can, but not to the degree that I would put that it on like. a record. Yeah. 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 So singing for me is when I get to express musically, and that was encouraged, obviously, very very early on. So 
as a kid, I found out, wow, there's this one thing I can do, even if I can't do anything else. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, and for a child, I mean, you've got children as well. When a child discovers their gift and it's encouraged and it's a, a genuine thing that they love, that's one of the most precious things that you can have mm. as a child. To just yeah. find that one thing that you can do uh, and you can do well and that you absolutely love. And I was very fortunate to find that. Yeah. And not everybody does find it. No. Yeah, no. you're right there Truly when you don't. when you have something. Yeah. 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 And it's encouraged. Yeah. And you, it's, it's a very good feeling, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I remember um, my religious education teacher, I don't know what year in school, maybe fifth year, but like all teenagers, I was going through that insecure time. I didn't want to sing in front of people. You know, the way you, you go through that mm-hmm. when all your hormones and but this teacher asked me to sing a song at a mass or something, I think it was. And so she said, just sing along with me here at the piano. I just want to hear your your pitch. And then she said to me, oh, my God, you, you've got perfect pitch absolutely perfect which I don't know about that but that's what she told me so that made me feel very good as well you yeah, know yeah. so uh, in terms of pitch so yeah musicality is uh, is so deep in me that um, that is probably the thing that, that has sustained me I'd say during all the ups and downs that I always come back to that I Did can you? put on a piece of music and get completely lost in it and maybe we all can but for me it's like another language mm, that yeah. I just lose myself in completely you know, yes so. yeah and you've always had that right oh, through. Always, for as long as I can remember, even though for a few years as a teen, I didn't want anybody to hear me sing. And then mm-hmm. later on, I realized, Jesus, this is precious. And then I realized I could write words and melodies as well. Mm. And so by the time I was 16, I was winning little talent shows and stuff in Bray. So I, at that point, yeah, I realized I'm on a, on a path to doing something now. Nothing else matters. Yes. And uh, so to have that little bit of conviction for any 16-year-old is... Mm. I wish every 16 year old could find that could find it yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah and singing live was that something that you I'm sure at the start was <clears throat> was daunting and, and yeah. whatnot but did you did you when you grow when you grew to kind of be more comfortable on stage was that a, a, a something that you look forward to like a, like almost like a little I know we're talking about drugs and drink earlier but like <laughs> a, a something that you would look forward to the weekends going singing gigging oh yeah yeah I yeah. absolutely loved it it's only later on when you when you start releasing records and you hear yourself on the radio or you hear you hear your voice on recordings that you become a little bit more hypercritical and then your standards sort of you know your um, so for as time passes by you would demand more and more and more yourself performing live and mm. that, that can be tough and uh, so I don't perform live, live an awful lot I do prefer to work in the studio but I have a big gig coming up in the pepper canister which thanks thanks for allowing me to promote it on June the 11th and uh, Saturday June the 11th and that's going to be all a live performance so I'm pushing myself there to deliver a really great performance because Saturday June the 11th in the pepper canister yeah in the pepper canister yeah. and you are do you feel nervous when you think about that gig or very, how do you feel very nervous because I'm a solo yeah. artist I'll be going on stage probably with just one other musician on stage with me and so you don't have a band to hide behind or people to kind of you know hang out with on stage stage so it's yes. just you carrying the whole show and these lyrics and these songs are deeply personal most of them not all of them but most of them so you're it's like getting naked on stage mm. you're, you're putting on this mask and you're taking it off and you're showing people and some of the stuff i talk about in these songs i wouldn't probably wouldn't even talk about sitting down in an interview with, or in a conversation in the, in with this, yeah, yeah, yeah. because music allows you to do that you can go and it say, does, yeah, say yeah. the most damning thing about a parent or a friend or whatever in a song that mm. you never get away with doing elsewhere. Yes, so yeah, that, that's, I know. that's it's the great of, thing about yeah. lyrical self-expression. Yeah, you can be honest. 
and put then. it down to yeah. ads poetry. Nobody's going to ask me about it yeah. too much. I know that's really best. It's an that. expression. Exactly. Yeah. But the audience come there looking for a catharsis as well. And if you're going to get up on the stage and charge people to come to your gig, they, they want you to... Authenticity. Yeah, yeah, and they want you to deliver something that they touches their feelings and mm. their, their lived experience as well. So that's, that's what I am trying to do is... Uh, tell my little stories and, and hope that other people totally resonate with them as well and, mm. and that's always a gamble but you as a, as a musician as a songwriter that's what you have to do you throw them out into the world and you hope for yeah, the best absolutely yeah and you know the great songs that you've heard that have touched you have uh, come from that place from yeah, somebody else doing the same yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. why don't you go with a band do you uh, um that's probably going to be the next thing like it's I, I've spent two and a half years making an album and I'm, now I've written two and a half years two and a half wow. years now I'm working with loads of other musicians and halfway through another album which we're working on right now so yeah it's going to be a question of fine, fine putting a band together and together. Go, going out and doing it that'll be the next step in my journey mm. um, I, I've been in bands over the years and as you probably know yourself you play drums there's mm. a lot of egos involved a lot of compromising there's a lot of partying there's a lot of boozing there's a lot of that so I've been having such a quiet life over the last 10 years. I'm almost like a hermit. And I just like my quiet space. I like mm. to be at home. But um, I suppose it will become necessary if I'm going to continue pursuing this career to put a band together. And I'd, I'd love to do that. So if you want to play drums. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> I have it recorded. This is your audition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess, yeah, cho- choosing, choosing people who don't have egos. Because, yeah, we, I mean... There's, there's nothing worse than if you're in a band with somebody and yeah. they have a massive personality and oh, it's their yeah. way or no way yeah, or yeah. they want to be the loudest yeah. and it's yeah. just it's draining it is, it's, it, is. It, I, it kind of takes the joy out of it and why, the reason f- you go there is for the joy yeah um, all songwriters all collaborators everybody you work with has an ego and it's learning how to um, you know blend your ego with their ego and mm. not to you know to, not to um, undervalue yourself and not to overestimate yourself and so I've learned a lot actually in making this record and with the different people I've worked with um, but I have to say, all the most of the experience of making this has been amazing. So I'd I'd recommend that to anybody. Yeah. Sit down and write a load of songs and see what happens. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're lucky to have a, have a gift of, of of being able to write songs. Not everybody. I certainly don't. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely not. No. I can play a little bit of guitar. Okay. Like yourself, it wouldn't yeah. even be good enough to record. Right. When I sing, I sound like a badger who's injured <laughs> and maybe calling out to his fellow badgers for help. I'm not sure. Uh, but I have a terrible, terrible voice. So oh. I, I do love drums. I've always well, you've loved. You've got a great speaking voice. So I'm quite surprised to hear that. Maybe that's just what you think about your voice. No, I've heard it you said back to me. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. And I've heard myself singing. Right. And it's yeah, atrocious. Yeah. It's okay. atrocious. Okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me prove it no. we'll both regret it <laughs> uh, but yeah I've always loved drums I've always yeah. I've always been drawn to the drums right from when I was a kid what do you think that is? I don't know I don't know I think rhythm is it uh, sort of, uh, it's very physical so is it a way of when you no, the, it, it no it wasn't it wasn't for the, uh, the playing of the, I think one of the, the first album that ever hit me was Michael Jackson's Bad Oh yeah, brilliant! I loved brilliant that album. album. And if you listen, I only copped yeah. it a few years ago. If you listen to that album, the drums on the bass, mm. very loud Hold in the mix. Together, yeah. yeah, he was because I mean he was obviously a rhythmic mm. um, kind of a guy. He's dancing and what on his songs were, yeah. were 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 that kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah, Quincy so Jones would have produced that. Quincy Jones produced all that, about yeah. the bass and the drums, mm, yeah, holding exactly, everything yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so maybe Jeez. that had a big a big effect on me, and I. 
but then after that I got into Guns N' Roses I went down the whole rock thing another great which, band actually yeah great, great band great yeah, songs, yeah, great yeah, yeah absolutely songs, yeah. but I, I, I always my ear always went to the drums yeah so much so that when I got my first drum kit I could just play it with, oh, yeah it's kind of I, I can play these or something do you know what I mean I nearly from listening so intensely yeah. to that part of the arrangement exactly. yeah. yeah 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 now yeah. it wasn't great but yeah. I could play yeah. whereas some people might sit down yeah. and go, what's all this about? Um, and then that's true of all band members the the uh, bassist will have always been listening to yes. the bass lines yeah. singer will have been listening to the harmonies mm-hmm. and to the you know so we all pick out the different bits of the mm. sound that that interests us and hopefully we really listen very carefully and then you mm. that's how you develop your own kind of gift yeah that's it yeah. that's it yeah yeah you're right there because my wife sings she loves singing All right. and I've often said to her to give, we'd be listening to a song and say have you heard the drums in that song at no. all there and she'd, no 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 what drums she, yeah, yeah there are <laughs> drums yeah like literally they, know, they only exist as something to kind of boost the back of the front yeah, because her yeah. ear automatically goes yeah, to the singing yeah, you know yeah. And, uh, it's the great yeah. thing about our brains you can listen to a piece of music and you depending on where you want to go yeah. you can listen to that part or this part or the other part yeah and it's very true yeah so you know how brilliant is our brain that we can do that I thought that recently as well you can literally hone in on I'm going to go yeah. to the to the bass I'm going to go to yeah. the saxophone I'm going to go going to focus on the harmonies or the yeah. high harmonies or low yes yeah, yeah or low yeah so yeah exactly can, yeah just yeah. by willing just by yeah by, by your attention yeah putting your attention yeah where you, pl- where you put your attention yeah, mm, yeah. it's amazing um so we spoke earlier, as I said, about the, the contentment that we all, is the underline. Do you have faith in a higher source behind this? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Do you think that's what that um, contentment is? Or how, how is I your relationship? Know. It's very hard with... to put it into words. But I, mm. I remember as a kid, um, I had a terrible time in school with the bullies. And... Uh, and a few very nice people but a lot of bullies and often I remember lying in bed at night and praying that the next day wouldn't be so bad and whenever I really put my heart into the prayer I would just speak in words but in my mind to God mm-hmm. um, was, I always felt like it was answered you know so something then very early on I thought I used to rem- I remember thinking prayers my prayers do get answered if I ask for something and I ask with great full open heart and attention there's always something opens up from that now whether that's magical thinking whether it's a coping mechanism whatever it is it worked and so although I don't have a very uh, what would you call it religious experience with God and I don't go Mm -hmm. to church and I'm not religious always in the back of my mind when things go horribly wrong I'll say okay I'm handing this over to you because I do believe there's an organizing principle in this world that connects Mm -hmm. all of us and we, we our minds can't fathom it we don't have the brain quoted to to really understand but I do believe that everything's interconnected and I do believe that help is available when we ask for it maybe not the help we thought we were going to get yes and maybe it's not immediate but you can hand the thing over and say look at I'm really struggling here I need I need some help with this and just by doing that you give yourself a bit of breathing space and maybe then your mind allows you to come up with solutions I don't know but I believe in God as a as an organizing intelligence in the universe that makes everything possible and i don't know if this world is a dream it could be a dream i could wake up into another dream am i dreaming you are you dreaming me or or, are we both having a dream i don't really know what it is but i know that there is some bigger energy and some bigger power behind it that we can't really conceive of Mm -hmm. 
and we forget it at, from, from times and in the middle of a crisis you forget you forget you forget and then eventually the dust settles and you think yeah you know I'm only this tiny particle in all of this mm-hmm. I'm not that important really <laughs> there, there's something much far bigger and far greater than me out there so I don't know again I don't know if that's uh, just an idea we've been raised with or it's a mental construct but in my heart and soul I do feel like there's something bigger out there that we can tap into if we are willing to take the time to do that yes do you still pray yeah I do but in a very what would you call it in a very inconsistent way Hmm. I'm another yeah you don't have rituals or I don't have rituals but I I, I'm a typically selfish human being I pray when I feel I need something yeah rather than praying and saying wow those uh that music we created today thank you for giving me the strength to do that Mm -hmm. I forget to to say thank you a lot Mm. um you know uh, ideally you would you would turn to God shall we say when when things are going well too but we yes. tend to we tend to turn to God when things aren't going yes, so well, yeah, yeah. and I don't even want to call it God. I just want to call it. The, I know, the, I know. Yeah. The, the bigger mind, or the larger mind, or the not the cosmic mind. That's kind of yeah. But uh, the the what would you call it? The Godhead. I don't know. There's yeah. so many ways of describing know, it. What I do you know, what do you yeah. call it? I, do you have a word for it? I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. I guess God, but I mean G O D. Yeah, it's God. it's God. The the we're both would have been raised in Ireland. Oh, Catholicism yeah. would have been yeah, yeah the yeah. the external judging. Don't oh, do this. Cover yeah. that up. What are mm. you doing? Blah blah blah. Um, that we, I, I was never really mad on that. Mm. Um, the judgy, the ju- yeah, the judgmental yeah, God, the God yeah. of wrath. The, yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah. I guess there's the higher higher source is probably. Yeah. But it's behind everything. Is it even higher, or, or is maybe we're is, part of it? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. My I dad. So. My dad. Who. My dad was raised in an industrial school, and he suffered dreadful, dreadful abuse that we didn't even realize at the time. And I, obviously, I'm, legally, I can't say too much about that. But he he was raised in one of those really bad industrial schools that we all heard about, and he um, left that school with an enormous faith you could say in God he believed and this is possibly very childish but he believed we lived inside the body of God so he believed this universe was actually in the body like cells of the bigger body I used to kind of laugh when he'd say that to me I used to think oh that's so corny you know and my sister and myself we used to say oh yeah right okay Uh but thinking about it now how philosophical he was yeah um, it's a a nice it's a beautiful image without having read any of these books or anything he had that innate um, soul what would you call it soul orientation inside of him and mm. now I have it too and it comes out in singing and in performing but he believed in something way beyond himself and I think if you don't believe in anything beyond yourself then you're just stuck with your own mortality mm. and all you are is kind of stinking rotting flesh and blood and that's no good so we have to we have to believe in something bigger and wider and more expansive than we could ever ever um possibly even uh, conceive you know mm, yeah I, I yeah. heard um, do you ever hear of Alan Watts do you ever hear that oh yeah, yeah I heard Absolutely, him yeah. speaking why. recent well not recently he's he's dead years yeah uh, but I, I heard it recently um, and he said if you what reminded me of it was in your saying this dream like quality or where mm. we dream in this moment mm, mm, mm. if you could dream anything you wanted and you can go to bed tonight and you can dream whatever you want. Yeah. Um, you would start off by whatever. 
you would have it all the ability to flight mm. the ability to manifest whatever you want in front yeah. all of your yeah. sexual desires come true what mm. whatever every finance you, you dream it all you'd experience whatever you wanted mm. but after a while you would get tired of that yeah so you would kind of you know it'd be like do you know something i wouldn't mind going to bed tonight and having a dream where i don't know what's gonna happen mm. and i forget that i have the ability mm. to create my own reality mm. and to whatever so mm. to mm. forget that okay and that when you're connecting to to the moment it is you're remembering and kind of waking up inside yeah. this dream-like yeah. quality that, yeah. Yeah. that life does have even when you think of i always get it with gigs where i've been to a gig and later on like if somebody that i really really begin to later on mm. i'd look back at the gig maybe a few years later and i go oh, I, I did see them live that's right and that's mm. kind of there's a dream like haze mm. about it mm. Mm. and um yeah it's there's it, something it's there it's like it? when you're when you're so enraptured with something it's like an out-of-body experience because the brain can't fully process mm. the joy and the stimulation the mental stimulation that this particular thing has given you so it's almost like you uh, you tune out or you space out. Actors will talk about, um, theatre actors will talk about going on stage not remembering doing the play because mm. they were so caught up in the listening out for the audience response, you know, and, and, and playing the character or whatever. So, yeah, sometimes performances have dreamlike qualities. And then, you know, as well, in situations where you're in a desperate peril, that takes on a dreamlike quality as well. You know, if someone has a knife just when they're mugging you, often it becomes like a dream type yes. experience because it's too much reality to bear. So you your your brain kind of shuts down and you go into this almost like dreamlike state. So there's mm. all, all those different mental states I'm fascinated with. You know, we don't fully understand why they happen and how they happen. Yeah. But behind all of that, there's some there's some organizing intelligence i think that keeps yeah. this whole show on the road whether we live in a computer simulation or not i don't know that's one of the theories <laughs> yeah there's all you know, sorts so of maybe there, yeah. maybe yeah. i don't know maybe our forebears have created us as two little two little sort of digitized characters having this conversation you wouldn't know you wouldn't would you? know you someone would could be know. having a great laugh at our expense <laughs> they could be hello whoever you are <laughs> just the listeners yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the glitch yeah. in the matrix yeah. Mm, yeah yeah it's all true isn't it and mm. like yeah yeah what 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 are we what is it I, I think you're right with the mind not being able to figure it out our mind wants to separate mm. and it mm. is a product of mm it so how can it figure out what yeah it's, it's uh, any type of fire, severe trauma um in front of us the mind disassociates mm. and disassociate disassociation is the only way we get through that event or mm -hmm. that experience by disassociating from the the blind terror of it or the the fear of you know that this means death or whatever so yeah th so then the mind has to disassociate and i suppose that we continue often to disassociate from our feelings when they're too painful or again back to our sexuality we disassociate from our sexual feelings and we act out because we just can't process them for one reason or another and that's yeah. part that's one of the tragic parts of the human condition we miss out on a lot just by thinking we can't cope and allowing ourselves to disassociate mm. whether it's going for the biscuit when you're full yeah, 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 or having yeah. that another pint drink or when you're already stuffed or, or yeah, yeah we do that a lot but again, I think it's important not to 
beat ourselves up about that. We're, we are only human. We're humans. It's not easy to, to live in the world a oh. lot of the time. There's so much noise, so much tension, so much power struggling that uh, we need to we need to be gentle with ourselves and say, look, yeah, be a bit know, more but gentle. Maybe tomorrow, ourselves. try and do a little bit better or whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I uh, there's a. I, I think it's Hindu. I could be wrong. Mm. A phrase called neti neti. Mm. It's like what it Apparently. means is not this or not that. So yeah. at any stage in your yeah. life or whatever thoughts yeah. you're having or don't whatever. Don't identify just, with one or the other thing. They're just, not this, not that. Yeah. So you're yeah. you're kind of disregarding your own thoughts. You're disregarding yeah. your experience. Yeah. You're concentrating on yeah. the inner state that's behind right. it all. So Because it's, it's our primitive brain, our fight or flight, our sort of survival brain mm-hmm. constantly telling us, this is a good situation, this is not. This, this is, is a not. happy conversation, this is not. But mm-hmm. it's all to do with fight or flight. And we, yeah. we still have that in our hard wiring. We haven't, yeah. we haven't overcome that. And as a result of that, we're constantly fleeing from um, situations that we think aren't favourable to us for one reason or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to chase something. And so we miss out. Yeah. 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 Here we go. Well, we'll try not to. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah. As long we... as you're consciously aware, I suppose, when you when you bring your awareness to things, um, when you become aware of your own behaviour or your own tuning out or your own disassociation from things, um, that's ha- probably half the battle. I think having an insight into how you yourself operate in the world is so important. Often yeah. you meet people who have a lot of maybe depression or anxiety and they have no real insight. They appear to have no insight into how that's affecting them. They're not aware mm. of they're how others are perceiving of, them. Yeah, yeah, they're completely unconscious. And yes. They might be self-obsessed, but they're not self-aware. Yes. And self-awareness, I think, is the key to quite a lot of develop self-development yeah you can't because develop until I mean, you become aware yes and what you're developing at that stage is the awareness yeah you know yeah. it's the awareness that's developing mm. and that's conscious that's awareness the, yeah, yeah yeah it's a beautiful thing when it and sometimes it happens by accident yeah you can try and train yourself or yeah. remember thoughts like netty netty and whatnot like your, yeah. or whatever use yeah. techniques if you if you wish mm-hmm. or sometimes as I said it happens by accident but mm-hmm. yeah to mm-hmm. be mm-hmm to be aware of, of, of what stage you're in and mm. how you're approaching mm. life this mm. moment it's mm. always this one isn't it like how, what, what's, what state are you in yeah. in this moment you can yes. ask yourself at any at any time yeah now, you, you may not like the answer or no but it's, no, there, no, might not. yeah but it's 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 the awareness that's asking mm. then isn't it really mm. which is beautiful beautiful mm. thing yeah it is yeah, yeah. absolutely listen Paul thank you so much thank you so much I've really enjoyed this pleasure time. Mark yeah very yeah. nice to talk yeah and just a reminder it is June the 11th June the 11th Saturday June the 11th Pepper Canister Church at 8pm tickets are on sale right now from tickets.de and don't miss out yeah it's going to be great don't actually yeah. will you be there I'll be there oh I'll fantastic be there. yeah I'll definitely be there myself and my wife will come along oh lovely I'll be up the front row singing oh, yeah. badly I would tune yeah. you'll be like oh, that, that's him I remember that's the badger sound he was talking about yeah. <laughs> No, I genuinely will. And thank you again. Thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. Yeah.